Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm constantly telling my children that they are what they eat, that diversity and balance is crucial when it comes to diet, and their meals should be diverse and colourful. But why then do our dogs, beloved members of our family, whose health is just as important as our children's, eat the same old thing day in, day out? Premium raw pet food, Natural Instinct, aims to change all of this by providing a new way to feed your dogs and cats as nature intended, free from artificial additives, colours, preservatives and fillers. Since a box of these natural, complete frozen meals were delivered to my door, my dog's meal tames are even more anticipated than ever. I've noticed that Storm's fur is shinier over time and she's leaner and even more full of energy since changing her diet. If you have cats and dogs at home, give it a go, especially as Natural Instinct is now offering 10% off the entire range with the code PODCAST10, valid to all new customers. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood, which is continuing during lockdown. Over the next few weeks, we hope to continue to bring you interesting conversations. The only difference is that these will be recorded remotely rather than face-to-face with our guests. But that doesn't mean they're any less brilliant. Our guests, I mean, not our podcasts, although I do think our podcasts are brilliant too. One of the biggest challenges parents are facing now that the Easter holidays are over is the prospect of supporting our children's learning from home. A lot of us are struggling with the online syllabus, something that in many cases has been hastily arranged by people who are trained to teach face-to-face rather than remotely. We haven't necessarily got the equipment we need, and I, for one, am struggling with time and patience to become their teacher. I find my days are filled with conflict and failure, and I'm beginning to wonder whether it's all worth it. My guest today is Alistair Wade, a director of Thinking Matters, an organisation that re-evaluates the way teaching happens in schools, looking at our understanding of the developing brain in children to identify how to give them skills that will benefit them wherever their life takes them. Alistair, thank you so much for being here today. It's really lovely actually talking to someone who has a broader insight into the kind of the bigger picture of education rather than being stuck, which I feel I am right now in the nitty gritty of can my children do long division or not or how how badly do they know their eight times table <laughs> <laughs> well it's a pleasure thanks very much for, for for having me I guess there isn't a parent who isn't isn't currently struggling with some of the of, of the pressures which which you're facing as uh, as well yeah well independence is definitely what I need right now I think one of the biggest things I'm struggling with is that I feel I have to kind of micromanage my children's day as well as my working day so it's a bit of a challenge but I really wanted to talk to you about I mean I've, I've talked to a lot of parents and I think that when schools shut just sort of before the Easter holiday started that was fine it was a couple of weeks extra holiday wasn't the end of the world now we're facing the challenge of schools potentially being shut for the entire summer term and our children missing out on you know six half year of education is this a disaster for our children I think there is a worry that you know education we all know is so important and are we 
are our children going to be massively affected in the long term in terms of their educational needs and whether those are met or not? Well, I, I think the answer to that is that it could be. And, uh, and that slightly depends on a whole range of things. And that slightly depends on, on what you have access to. There is a significant amount of concern, I think rightly at the moment, around disadvantaged learners on the basis that they are perhaps not online, that they don't have access to computers, to broadband, to printers, to scanners, etc. And that has the scope to, to clearly widen the disadvantaged gap, which all, already is a significant one. So that said, there, there is the scope for, for this being actually an amazing opportunity to, to actually develop your children in the way that you wish to develop them and to really deepen the relationships with those children and actually to make potentially significant advances beyond what they might typically achieve at school. And I mean, this is all very well if you've got loads of patience, loads of time and remember your basic maths. I mean, obviously it's different if you've got a sort of six-year-old at home as opposed to a 13-year-old at home. I, I see the potential for opportunity, but I think a lot of people are struggling with the reality of, do you know what? I never signed up to be a teacher. I never signed up to be my children's educator. We weren't expecting this. Suddenly we don't have access to broadband and no one's coming to fix it because of isolation rules. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think a lot of people are feeling like like that. What... Well, firstly, you know, do you think if they don't get educated, but they're still in a loving home, that that would be the end of the world? I mean, have we ever have we ever experienced anything like this before? I mean, I know education is a sort of relatively new thing looking at it as it does today. But in the modern world, has there ever been a population of children who have been denied access to education for a relatively short amount of time? And have we been able to track their progress in, in retrospect? There are other bits of research when you look at homeschooling, which, by the way, is is what almost everybody did 150 years ago. <laughs> so you know, the idea of, of schooling as we know it is, is a relatively modern thing where everybody goes to, to a central school. That said, the positives are that the research on one-to-one -one tutoring and indeed small groups of, uh, of tutoring is that it has very positive attainment. So the academic outcomes from one to one, even in schools where there are small class sizes like, uh, you know, that might be 15. I know the typical class size would be, would be 30 in, in a sort of a, a state primary, for example. Even those fantastic schools where there are where dedicated teaching cannot provide one to one in the same context that actually in many cases parents are are offering to their children at the moment and and actually a period of of almost one-to-one -one tutoring even if it's not from a qualified teacher can can have some very very positive effects i mean i think that what i struggle with is that it's a long time since i was educated myself yep. in i mean it's 30 years 
ago and I know that teaching methods like the way to teach long division and the way to teach fractions has changed slightly and I always get worried if I think well I'm going to teach them the wrong method but I suppose what you can do is is go and look online or speak to the teacher via zoom you get it probably a bit quicker than your child and then you can go through because it's you know teaching is a lot about the learning but then the reinforcement of that learning isn't it yes it is absolutely that is how how memory effectively works in terms of sort of reinforcement and you're you're right to some degree you know all you've got to be is is one step ahead and that is is probably going to be enough I, i would argue that that actually attempting to be attempting to be the subject teacher in everything is probably not the right approach particularly you know if you have lots of different you know if you've got lots of children at lots of different age groups and certainly for those with elder children who you know will be studying in a decent depth some subjects which you will perhaps never have studied yourself as as a parent then then actually the approach which i think that i would be advocating and certainly we as an organization work with schools to try and support them to promote it is actually to sort of almost step back to develop the learner as an independent learner and that of course covers any age group and any subject and it actually covers that beyond the school gates because you're actually developing a a set of skills which will last a, a lifetime and which will allow that learner to be able to understand how to learn in any scenario, whatever they're faced with. I, I want to ask how we do that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe I can, can sort of try and offer a few tips. I mean, clearly, you know, we are typically working with professional teachers who will have been trained in, in teaching and, and have uh, you know a, a lot of experience in teaching as uh, as well so converting some of that i guess into into sort of use in the home with those who who aren't trained teachers you know, there are only snippets of that that, that i think that, that that you know we'll be able to offer but but i, I think that almost before going into some of that what what i think is is possibly sort of useful is to is to say yeah, one of the things is is in the current context don't try and achieve too much and that isn't a that's not a sort of a thinking matter thought that's more of sort of of my own thought i was lucky enough to live in in moscow for a few years and when we went we went there as a family and we got some very good advice from from a, a wise expat who had guided a number of other expats who'd, who'd been there. And they said, look, you know, this is a different place. It's a different setting. If you thought you could achieve 10 things in a day when you were in London, you know, just dial that down. You know, you'll only ever because of the systems here and because of the way it, you know, you'll only ever achieve one thing a day. So, so only attempt to do that, and then you won't feel as though you're failing every day because you haven't ticked all of those things off on on the list. And, and I think that you know, this situation is 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 similar. I think we just all need to 
to actually just readjust our sights in terms of what's achievable. And and I think in you know that that sort of analogy holds holds true for for this situation as uh, as well. Because children presumably need some degree of success during the day. I suppose if you take on something that's bigger than a sort of bite-sized amount, then you're inevitably going to fail because you don't know the answers and you can't get... And, and actually finishing that day feeling that you've done lots of things badly is so much worse than feeling like you've done a handful of things, but you've done them quite well. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's right. I mean, I think it's true for both the children, uh, but also for the sanity of us as as parents. You know, to try and and do everything which is, you know, we know we should be sort of doing and which we would normally do in a, in a day. It's just not really feasible here. And so particularly when we as parents are trying to, to do something which is very unfamiliar to us and is difficult. So, I mean, I, that is one thing. And I think that, you know, resisting the temptation to try and do everything for your children just because it's it's easier and it's quicker to get it done it is it's a sort of short-term fix and it might be helpful but but actually you're just creating a rod for, for your own back and I think that if if we can think that you know this is a great opportunity to try and uh, and create an independent learner then then obviously that means that the children can get on with their own <laughs> work and it also means that we can try and get on with our own work as, as as well I think we've said before don't try and be a subject expert in 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 everything but I would also say that this this idea of of an independent learner it, it's it is backed up by research the the reality is is that from an academic perspective the the research which is done on uh, these are you know this idea of an independent reflective learner is called metacognition in the science so so yeah you know, the the research around that is is that it, it is highly highly significant in terms of sort of the impact on both academic outcomes and in terms of sort of the wider outcomes on uh, as uh, as well um and how so i mean that's all very well when you've got a child that's compliant and you <laughs> sit them in front of their homework or their their learning and they're like yeah yeah i'll do it but we all know that there are children that do need a bit more hand holding there are children yeah. that are a bit more reluctant to do that if you have a child who is not naturally that way orientated what can you do to encourage that i mean i just know that it's not a great leap it's baby steps but what can we as parents be doing to encourage that independent learning Okay, I think the important thing to create to start off with is actually a culture of seeking to develop an independent learner uh, and to actually create a a culture within the house where where that is what the objective is almost of this period but actually more generally than than that. And so practically, we, how would you do that? Like, well, what well, would you I, do to? So, I think a good point is to start is what are the skills and the learning habits that you actually believe that you want your children to have, and that you think are going to allow them to be successful in the future. You know, what is going to arm them to be future proofed? What I would do is I would engage the children in that conversation because one of the one of the most important things I think that you can do is to is to to seek to allow 
the children, and particularly in this period, to have some input into into some of the sort of the decisions that are going on at a at a family level, because then you're all in it together, and that's a really important part of them seeking to play their part. And I think that if children are always being told what to do, because this is what we have decided, I have decided as 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 a dad or you as a mum or we as as parents, then it's a very difficult thing. Different, sorry, it's a very different thing from from actually everybody having decided that together and everybody having an input. Because then it's our plan, it's not your plan. And from a motivation perspective that's an important differentiator. So I think that having the conversation with children to, to it's a it's an interesting thing to do anyway. I'm not saying that you as parents wouldn't actually know what you believe to to be the important elements already before you've even sat down to do that. But engaging the children in in those types of, of family conversations I think is a good starting point. Now, what I would also recommend is is that you don't want a list of 10 things i would i would say that you know you, you would want to try and sort of define the three important skills or, or or attitudes attributes whatever you might want to call them that you believe are are going to make a a difference now this is a great chance to have a conversation whatever age your children are around the future and you know the advancement of of AI and robots and the you know machines and what might be necessary for life after after COVID and they'll have some really interesting things to say about that. So I think that that that's a great place to 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 start, and I think that it sort of almost sort of sets the the tone because it starts to get children thinking about what the outcomes are of what they might want to to do. So so that I think is is a good starting point. And I think that going back to sort of developing culture, a lot of this is around the sort of the attitude and the mindset. You know, that's what creating a culture is is about, isn't it? And actually getting getting that sort of attitude in place where we know what the goal is, you know, this is what we're sort of seeking to develop. Now we can start to plan as to how we might, might might do that. But at least you've got some big goals to aim for there that you can all do as, as part of a family. Clearly, the majority of them benefit from having structure. So do you, do you for example, and it might depend on the age and, and sort of what they typically would wear at school, you know, do you suggest that actually this isn't a holiday day and so to get the mindset right of this being a school day, do they do they actually wear uniform when they're doing their schoolwork? Or actually, do they wear an element of uniform? So again, you give them some autonomy to say, look, it is a school day, so it's different from holiday. So we are doing some work here. You can wear your uniform, but you're allowed to change two items of it from normal or whatever it might be. Now, that might work for everybody, but I think it does obviously help to provide that that it's a slightly different day from a normal holiday day. 
No, well, I think we all benefit from that. I mean, I definitely find when I'm in my work clothes, I definitely have sort of a more worky mentality than if I'm sort of in my non-work clothes. So it does have an impact. It's more than a sort of pedantic request from the school if, the, if they do say, you know, we'd, we'd like the children to be in uniform or... Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. It, it just sort of slightly sort of changes, as you, as you say, the, you know, the sort of the, the mentality of, 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 of what's going on. And uh, you know, timetables are obviously very useful. And of course, there is a big debate as to whether you follow the school's timetable or whether you completely tear it up and, and just do exactly sort of what your own one is. And and I think the reality is, is that, you know, you you want to have that timetable that suits the family uh, and that reduces the amount of tension and sort of stresses that that that, that can create. So, you know you would imagine that you want to have everybody having lunch at the same time because, you know, do you as as the sort of the the chef, whoever that might be, or whoever's preparing food, you know, do they want to be doing four different servings or, you know, throughout the day? It's just creating extra work. So I think that some, you know, some basic sort of structural stuff around that is is useful. But there's also some very, there's some very positive things that can clearly happen and, and which perhaps we should take advantage of that in this window which is it provides time for family time you know how often have are we never doing meals together and yeah. and actually isn't this a great opportunity to to actually get everybody together for 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 meals because we're all finally at, at home and there isn't someone racing off here and racing off there and family meals are, are, are an unbelievably important part of happiness you know of creating deep bonds of being able to have conversations to have really interesting sort of discussions and so I think that structures like that are, are quite an important basic um, in terms of sort of the sort of support life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And I know there'll be people listening to this saying, I get that. I love the idea. You know, I'm usually rushed off my feet. I usually don't see my kids enough. But we've had six weeks. And for six weeks, I've had breakfast, lunch and dinner with my kids. And actually, do you know what? And and I do think it's probably important to say, you know, take advantage of meals with your kids. But it doesn't have to be every meal. You know, maybe one meal is not all sitting together. Maybe it's all doing their own thing. Because I can see that while this sounds really appealing, in some situations parents and children I guess need a bit of time out you know if they were forced to sit with the same four friends in school every day for six weeks they'd be 
you know pretty annoyed and pretty over them by the end of it too so it's I suppose just saying you know those that you can and while you can and while you feel it's productive take advantage of it but better that you have fewer meals and they're really enriching rather than yes meals and everyone's getting uh, on each other's nerves yeah and and i guess that from from a timetabling perspective that doesn't necessarily mean every meal has to be together but it might be we do uh, a family meal every friday together and that's in the timetable and it's a fixed in the timetable so that it isn't one of those things that slides I guess there's also an opportunity in terms of autonomy. I mean, this is what I did at lunch, just we're recording this after lunch today. I, I My children cooked us lunch, so they did scrambled eggs on toast for us. And actually it was great, because I'm usually always the one that's preparing lunch, that they took it, they were really proud of it. They served uh, lunch up to us. And, and actually it was sort of a way of switching it around and also for the, the, the meal preparer to kind of not feel quite so taken for granted, which I'm sure a lot of parents are feeling right now. No, I mean, absolutely. And, and I think you're touching on something very interesting there, which which I think comes from these types of family conversations, which is is, a, is around how can we all contribute together as a family to to actually make this a an, an enjoyable and, and memorable period? You know, how can we all seek to take some positives? So, you know, if you're having those types of family conversations, you know, children will will typically love to get involved and be part of of helping if they are given the opportunity to to contribute and and they themselves will will be very conscious of 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 where they can contribute and so i think opening that up to them to say well who thinks that they can work the washing machine and wants to do the washing area and it's not beyond them to do that and it's not beyond them to hang up the washing and it's not beyond them to to make some meals if they're basic ones and the reality is is that they will feel very special for having done that and making a contribution and you know we might touch on this a little bit later but but the actual in in schools it's called feedback but i mean i guess it would be i mean and it's similar in 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 homes but yeah praising people appropriately and praising such or noticing that they are making that contribution um is a very important part of uh, of you know of building all of that up as uh, as well and and I mean I know that praise is something I think about a lot because it's more than just saying well done. What what is the best way to to give praise? Well done's are is actually not a very good way of of giving praise. So yeah, praise is 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 a part of of feedback and uh, and what the sort of the research will tell you. I mean it's a it's a big big subject area, but it's it it's a very important stuff again from a research perspective in terms of outcomes. This is something which makes actually the biggest difference in terms of it. So what one should do with regards to to feedback is you actually need to take a little bit of a step back. You need to understand, and this is why actually identifying the sort of the, the skills and the attributes that you are seeking to to promote is so important. Because then you are actually looking and observing, listening for where those things are being done 
because once so so to take it back to you know my experience today you know when the children actually off their own back my daughter said I'll do lunch today and so I guess rather than saying thanks my scrambled eggs were delicious well done I'd say I loved how you noticed that I was a bit sick of cooking and I loved that you your generosity you know shone through and suggested that you want to do something for me and that you you tidied up and you know that I actually really like scrambled eggs and so that was a great suggestion is it that kind of thing or yeah so, so- so absolutely so if if i think that in in that example if the sort of the the attribute and and i'm i'm saying try and narrow it down to three or five i say that because Mm -hmm. it it provides a bit of a sort of a a target yeah it doesn't need to be that you can clearly go off off sort of cut you you are describing thoughtfulness i think Mm -hmm. empathy for others and so if empathy was one of those things which you felt was one of the the skills that you were seeking to develop during this period or or at any time within your children then you've just noticed it and and absolutely you would be looking to highlight it because that's one of the things that you have defined now what the research will tell you is is that what you don't want to be doing is is just saying things like yeah you're you're very clever for example and we all say that say, oh, what a you know, what a clever boy, or whatever it might be, because that actually causes a couple of issues. What one is is that the child believes that actually they are clever, <laughs> and that therefore when they come up against something which they can't do, they actually think, oh, I'm actually I thought I was supposed to be clever, but I'm not because this is difficult. So it, it starts to develop what you may have heard through from some schools is, is called a sort of a fixed mindset. And that is that, that actually you are sort of, you are, are, are what you're born with and that, that you can't actually therefore sort of improve on, on things. So this sort of big idea around the sort of the growth mindset is, is that actually everything, uh, almost everything is only controlled to a certain degree by genetics. And that that there is there is effectively the scope for sort of growth in, in and progress in in everything, and therefore in terms of the praise that you you give, what you should be seeking to do is actually to highlight the process that has actually happened in achieving the outcome. So an example would would be here that rather than saying, you know, well done that's very clever of you. If you're seeking to develop, let's say, a pencil, holding a pencil grip or whatever it might be, and that's what your sort of child has been struggling with or whatever it might be, rather than saying that writing is lovely, you would be saying the writing is fantastic. And the reason that the writing has been fantastic is that I have seen that your grip is now adjusted for this and that you've taken your time to shape the letters and that, you know, whatever it might be, you know, you've got everything on the line and that your descenders are descending, et cetera, et cetera. So you're really trying to identify the actual process and not just uh, not just give a throwaway line of that is great, because ultimately that ends up just being noise. And actually, it, you know, if you just keep on saying, oh, that's lovely or that's, you know, it will end up being being actually worthless in terms of, of praise to to the child. Mm-hmm. 
I've read quite a lot about how you know we this is a stressful time for all of us you know there are you know obviously health worries there are financial worries there are the fact that we're trying, tr- desperately trying to juggle and not often achieving what what we kind of want to I'm assuming that kind of stressful environment has quite a negative impact on the family and I'm presuming that there will be some people who say do you know what the sort of the school schedule that has been set out for us is just too much we're going to focus on on being a happy family and maybe doing a fraction of it is that the right attitude to have or is it really important that they stick to the exact structure that the school has set out I I mean I think if you boil this down to like what would you want as a parent and what would the school want of your child at the end of this period? And the answer to that for me has to be that if your child goes back into school after this this event and they are keen to continue learning and that they haven't been put off learning and that they are that they are happy and that they're well-being is positive that is a, that is a success mm-hmm. and if you as a parent are noticing uh, that your child is is getting stressed out and and part of that might be because you as a parent are getting stressed out with the uh, the amount of of things that have to be done then 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 step away from, from it because you you're much better to to miss out on on completing all of the things that have been set for that day and still having a child who is actually interested in in learning they will catch up ultimately if they're still interested in learning if you've put them off learning because you've you've been cracking the whip so hard and and you can see them just totally falling out of love with it all then then that's a, a much more difficult thing to try and and correct afterwards a teacher once said to me that you know the purpose of school is not so much to teach the children but to light the fires of curiosity so that they want to learn it's to open the sort of floodgates of passion so that they are receptive to learning and presumably this is an opportunity for that I mean someone I was reading somewhere and they said you know I think it was a psychotherapist who said you know if your child has a passion that they want to pursue just let them spend as much time as they want on that but obviously it is important that they do the basics you know they've they've got their curriculum they've got their their targets that they need to be especially for children who are approaching their sort of exams what's I mean do you just trust your instinct there or especially if you've got a resistant child who sort of you know really couldn't care about frontal adverbials and what they mean and actually wants to look at something that's much more interesting to them where 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 do you sort of draw that line or I suppose is that a conversation you have with their teachers well I mean I think that they're you know you you should be interacting with the school to, to get a sense of that. I mean, clearly one of the advantages of this situation is, is that a lot of the pressure has been removed because there are no exams. Okay, there are still exams around the corner, 
but in terms of this summer's exams, publicly, they, you know, those have been, the public exams have been removed. Now, I do appreciate that certainly for some age groups, and particularly those who are are looking to gain entry into senior schools, that um, that this is the eleven plus and the sort of the pretest are. Uh, are still coming up in in sort of you know from September up until sort of January of, of of this year, but I think that the that the reality is that yeah let, let's take a step back how how important are learning your adverbials relative to to actually having a having a child who is 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 massively enjoying the project that they are working on. I mean, for for me, it's a no brainer, right? You, you let them go on on what what it is that they are hugely enjoying, because there are so many things that they can learn from the things that they are involved with, that they are interested in, and there is some sort of creativity around that that's required. But I think that if if someone is 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 highly motivated. Uh, and interested in in what they're doing, then then ultimately that's the course I would be letting them letting them run with. So, um, what are the important things that us parents should be doing? Is it the kind of drilling them in the maths, or is it, or are they sort of other things? No, I, I think that you know there are probably I think there are four key things that that parents can think about in terms of what they are seeking to to do now. Feedback and praise is is one of those. Listening is another. Questions is another. And uh, and certainly for for those with younger children, reading is the sort of the the standout sort of game changer that makes a, a hugely significant difference. So you know, feedback we've already touched a little bit on. You know, this is identifying what it is that you that you want to develop. It, it's sort of descriptively praising the actual process when you see it. And I think that you know, what we are, uh, certainly I, uh, am awful at is, is that because we want to try and help, we spend a lot of time picking up on negatives. And actually, <laughs> that is not a good thing to do. In fact, it ends up becoming sort of white noise. And, and there is a rule out there called Gottman's rule. It's a sort of a rule actually around relationships but there's this sort of ratio of sort of if you if you end up doing more than than five to one in terms of the one being negatives versus your positive comments, then all relationships start to suffer. And that is particularly true of a of an educator with a with a learner. And and I think a useful thing for parents to do is to is to try and listen to themselves and hear the number of times that they say no or not that or don't do it like that you know <laughs> you you will find after uh, probably not very many minutes in a in a room with children that you you hear yourself being quite negative a lot of the time and actually what you want to be doing is to be looking out for and observing the positives and and if you can start to identify those and make comment on the positives you will start to get a lot more of those positives and the reason for that is that children 
and this become this actually stems from the sort of the human bond you know human children rely on their parents uh, for uh, longer than any other animal and so they idolize their parents and they are always seeking to seeking their parents praise and so when you praise the positive and if you praise in the right way and you identify that positive you'll get more of that and so that i think is an important thing to do uh, listening is another key, is, is another key you know children will feel incredibly valued if they know that they are genuinely being listened to and, and they can smell a rat you know so, so so don't just pretend that that you're listening but you're not actually and this feeds into obviously asking questions if if you haven't listened you you can't actually then go and ask good questions and good questions are are, are incredibly important so you know even if this is not on something that you're interested in i don't know you you are you you're be, you're being told about i don't know the high revolve of some pokemon character that you <laughs> that you really don't want to, hit, to to hear about but actually you know this is your child's passion so you need to run with it first of all you might you you might learn something but it's going to allow you to make links later on and it's going to allow you to ask questions around that and questions uh, and good questions are, are incredibly important so if you're seeking to encourage curiosity for example you know you you really should be encouraging and always offering them the opportunity to ask questions uh, and i think that you know a useful tip for parents is that you know when it comes down to you asking questions you know, if you're asking good questions the child will know that you're genuinely engaged in in what they are um what they are interested in and what they are saying and that's incredibly important for self-esteem in a child that what they are saying is important so i think that if you think about what we spoke about right at the beginning which is what are the things that are important for the future what are these that you're trying to develop in children you, there is an interesting little piece there of work done by a psychologist a number of years ago which is this idea of higher order thinking it's the type of thinking that the robots cannot do so if we think into the future of you know what ai is going to be able to achieve what machine learning is going to be able to achieve etc yet there are still some things that humans can do and will be able to do for quite a long time that that the robots can't and a lot of those are are these higher order thinking things so you know, there is a a simple sort of picture of uh, of a pyramid where knowledge is at the bottom and you then move up through understanding the ability to analyze to evaluate to synthesize and then to create you know these different levels of thinking and perhaps unfairly the stuff at the top it is called this higher order thinking and if we can start to ask questions that actually seek to develop those higher orders of thinking then then that is a very useful thing for a parent to be doing during this sort of period so uh, yes yeah, presumably sorry. you know when the children are at school they don't have that one to one 
you know, relationship where they are always listened to. There is going to be times when they say, right, love to hear about a bit more Pokemon stuff, but yeah. actually I've got a the, class of 30 the, to teach. The, there isn't time. And there's a there's a curriculum that needs to be to be dealt with. And, and, and as you said, there's just lots and, and lots of children. And that is why, you know, when we spoke about it at the beginning, this the, 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 that's why one-to-one tutoring is so impactful. Because as you say, it, it's a real chance for a really deep human interaction and and that makes a big difference to the to the learner so so yes so even if the tutor the one-to-one tutor doesn't actually know about the teaching so much but they're simply there to listen and to ask questions and to help the child feel listened to that in itself is is beneficial for the child well absolutely because you're acting as as a coach there and as you say you don't really need to know the subject knowledge the actual sort of topic per se but what you can do is to help the child to explore that topic and you can explore the topic by asking good questions so it's a sort of coaching style of question you know you're not teaching you're not sort of the sage on the stage who is saying this is what it is you're allowing uh, you're, you're oiling the wheels of the child's mind by providing prompts and that means you know what you don't want to be doing is closing down potentially interesting avenues of of, of inquiry and there's a very interesting tool which which anybody will find on on the internet you know the, it called the q matrix and that you know, that provides a list of questions which range from the types of question which are quite simple and which typically will prompt uh, simple responses like so what where and when and you you might start to ask questions which are actually more well why would that happen you know that that actually causes people to think beyond just the sort of the regurgitation of the knowledge so you're still using the knowledge which is absolutely important of course but you're starting to to actually move up and uh, and start to use your imagination well why would that happen how might that happen you know or or would it what would happen if we did it if it had happened that way and might it happen yeah so these are just some examples of of just some super simple types of questions which can start to stimulate those types of of slightly sort of higher order as it's called thinking and that i think is a really useful thing to to start to do and and look you know reading is 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 the, probably the last of those and and, and this is a really uh, important thing particularly as I say for, for younger children you know households where there's a lot of reading is done is something that you know children mimic a huge amount of course and so if reading is important to you the children will mimic that and, and reading books together for fun not that it's sort of to do is is a of course it's another great opportunity to ask questions because you can ask questions about the story and and what you want to be doing as a parent is to is to be having natural conversations so don't make this sound like a comprehension test but actually it should be a natural conversation about the sort of the character and and the plot and almost every study will show you that that um, that reading is it, it is is a big big influence on children, and it's a, of course you know it's a great thing to do with with younger children, and it's a great thing to discuss with um, with older children. And I suppose you know 
that conversation I mean I know the reading is really important but even if you've watched a movie together to maybe sit down and talk about the movie talk about the people's emotions and feelings like you said why they did why they behaved in a certain way what would have happened if they behaved in a slightly different way but yeah. actually that conversation can can stem from you know watching a movie that may be something that might be more appealing to some children but can still be really beneficial in the in the larger picture yeah you're picture. you're you're absolutely right it, it it doesn't need to be to be reading you know if children are, are finding if they access material yeah, via audiobook or via yeah, via video or sort of a movie, whatever it might. Yeah, it, actually, the the most important thing is is whatever they're enjoying. If 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 they are enjoying if they're enjoying watching something and that's the way they want to access a sort of a story, absolutely. But if you're watching it together, that gives you the great chance to then discuss it afterwards, and that is that that's incredibly important. Yeah, I was. Um reading the paper one morning this is during the holidays and there was a piece about a family who'd, who'd gone on a sabbatical uh, to India and they'd basically been caught in India during the lockdown and it wasn't a, a, it wasn't an article kind of aimed at children by any means but I thought because it had children and I found it was really interesting it was the father basically talking about how he thought the world was overreacting and he didn't get on the last plane out and then suddenly mm. all locked down and we talked about what lockdown was like in India you know how challenging we were finding it but then put yourself into a third world country where you're worried about whether or not there's going to be water coming out of your tap and it was a really interesting conversation around an article that I found interesting and it really gave me some perspective about what could be a conversation point as a family it doesn't need to be the syllabus or the curriculum it doesn't need to be something specifically aimed at children but I suppose parents know their children really well and if you come across something be it a tv program or an article or a podcast or a radio program it's actually something that it's the key is that it's something that everyone finds quite interesting yeah I, I mean I, I I might even narrow that a bit more I think it's actually really important that it's interesting to them because I think that we as parents can can see how it might be interesting but I think that they are much more likely to engage with it and engage in a conversation and discussion on that if the topic is interesting to that now that you know that can be a a radio show on you know on football it really it it doesn't need to be a it doesn't need to be a super highbrow <laughs> yeah, book as 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 you've alluded to. I think most important is is that the topic is is one which uh, which is interesting to the child, and then you as a parent should use your your questioning and to some degree your own creativity to to ex to 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 explore that topic so they can see that there's something perhaps just beyond what they might be uh, what they might be thinking about. I've got to say, I do find it really hard to have these deep conversations with something I have absolutely no interest in. My son's obsessed with quantum physics. Right. And I really, it's totally over my head. And it's very difficult for us to have conversations because he sort of chats well, to me like I'm a troglodyte that knows uh, nothing, which is absolutely accurate. But, but so I, think, I do think it is something, it is about finding that sort of shared yeah, um, uh, appreciation, isn't it? I, I think, yes, yes, of course. So on the other hand, there is there is also quite a lot of evidence out there which shows that, that actually one of the best ways of getting someone to understand something and to put it into their long-term memory is actually to get them to teach it. Because yeah. the process which comes with actually having to order your thoughts enough 
to be able to teach something is is an incredibly important one and which cements the information into brain so so actually in in the context of quantum physics yet it might not be a topic which is of interest to you but if you are happy enough to know that this is you know if if you might ask your son to to teach you a bit about it you can be confident that that whilst you might be having to grin and bear it for a little bit actually him teaching it to you is is an incredibly valuable thing for him to be doing in terms of cementing his knowledge what i might also say is is that you know making stuff fun is is absolutely crucial in this whole thing and we all know that children learn best through play and it is also true that laughter and humor is a very important thing you know in the science of of these things you know it is it is creating neurotransmitters you know like sort of yeah, the, the the endorphins and the oxytocin which is sort of produced by sort of laughter is is an incredibly powerful it's an opioid type drug that actually makes makes this type of thing you know it makes learning something you want to get a fix of you know it's a, it's a it's a habit that you get addicted to and that's clearly what ultimately we you know we're sort of seeking to do so making it fun your your son might want to actually dress up as the teacher now it slightly depends on the age right of course but actually to create a sort of an environment where you are the pupil they are the teacher you know is something which could potentially be made into fun and so i think you know keeping fun and keeping play in mind is is also an important uh, thing to remember you mentioned routine and structure and how important that is i'm presuming too sleep is is very important for children at this time because it's very easy to get into that sort of holiday mode that they go to bed quite late but then school still starts at whatever it is nine do you think that's something that children might possibly not be getting enough of and that might then be impacting their ability to concentrate and their behavior yeah, I think that that is, it's always a worry. I mean, this is a worry during school time and, and it's certainly a worry in the run-up to to exams. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, of research which has been been done on, on sleep and exercise, of course, which is a, is another big one. And, and and both of those things are, are very, very Im, Im, important for a whole host of things, both from a sort of a well-being perspective, certainly from a learning perspective. So it's well known and documented that, you know, sleep is 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 one of the most important things for embedding any learning that we have done the sort of the previous day, and it's also a, a you know it, it's a very Im- important thing for being fresh for the next day of of learning as uh, as well. So yeah, there's some very useful stuff on the sort of the Sleep Council UK website. I mean, that's an easy thing to go and have a look at in terms of the amount of sleep that that is sort of required per age group. So there's some, yes, there's some concerns around that because, as you say, it's sort of holiday time, and I think that 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 seeking to to get those sort of structures and sort of routines around it. Now that said, this does provide an opportunity, certainly for sort of teenagers, to actually be a little bit more flexible 
and play into into the hands of of what the research suggests, which is that that actually a teenager's day should be starting a little bit later than the traditional school day, and and I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't hold people back from suggesting that their teenagers might actually want to be starting later than than perhaps is is predicted in uh, or suggested by their own timetable as long as you know and then working a little bit later if if it's uh, you know if they're seeking to get everything everything done so there are opportunities there which i think could actually play to the advantage of 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 some so yeah sleep exercise diet you know those are sort of cause in terms of creating sort of part of an environment that is going to allow your child the best chance of of sort of coping with what's required i'm thinking a lot about how we're going to regard this in with hindsight do you think with your experience that we'll look back on this you know no school this lockdown as something positive or something overall or as something where children might have had you know they, it will impact their their ability to concentrate that their exam I mean I know that sort of everyone's in the same boat but do you think what do you think do you think people will look back at this as a sort of positive experience for children or do you think it will be negative <laughs> I think it totally depends on how you treat it. It, it it depends on on where your mindset is on on this right at the start so I mean I think if you if you look at this of course this is an easy thing to say and it's less easy to to do and, and I'm not saying that it's a you know there aren't always going to be moments where where it's quite where it's tricky and 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 people are feeling incredibly sort of pressured with it but but I think if you if you go into it with the mindset of do you know what this is a this is a great opportunity for us to start developing some of these uh, of these things which we were talking about sort of seeking to sort of develop into learners or it might be different you know different skills so it might be like okay this is a great chance for our children to become yeah, fluent in in the use of the sort of the tech or in improve their typing speed or whatever it might be that are, are things that they could be be working on there are potentially lots of positives which which can be taken out out of it some of those of course are, go- are going to be quite tricky you know there are going to be down moments but actually you know the learning and the benefits of learning are learning is required to be a challenge to get a benefit out of it you know the, the science will tell you that actually if you're not in that sort of challenge area then then actually learning isn't really taking place and so yeah. so that might be something which people can take away as a bit of solace in 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 this is is that you know yes it might be tricky but but tricky is is good and and actually mistakes are good as well you know they are an incredibly important part of the learning process if if you treat them as not failures but you know that the phrase out there is you know fail is actually seen as the first attempt in learning yeah and i think if if you take that type of mindset towards all of this then then there are certainly going to be positives that we that we can take from it and you know for parents as well as children you know we're all learning to be parents because as our children get older we have to be a different kind of person and like you said if it's challenging then hopefully we'll emerge more proficient yeah and i think that you know motivations are are really key but you know when when i 
see it in my own family and in, in this, you know, what is, this is a great chance to really get to understand our children better than we might otherwise have, have done. You know, it's sort of an enforced period and we should try and make the most of, of, of that. And, you know, when we all go to our graves, you know, one of the one of the things we will all have wanted to have done is spent more time w- with our loved ones, you know, and uh, and this is a great chance to to spend some of that time with our children and and actually to to really get them to understand what our values are and what we believe in, and I think that comes back to what we were talking about at the start. You know, that's why seeking to develop them not in their subject specific areas but more more holistically and seeing this as an opportunity to try and do that is is going to 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 leave us with plenty of positives to take uh, to take away from from this um, situation yeah well that was just the positivity i needed on this slightly gray afternoon alistair thank you so much it's 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 really lovely actually to hear about these positives and actually how powerful we are as parents even if our you know memory of long division and how to do it is a bit creaky (laughs) (laughs) it's good to hear that education goes beyond that and that we're quite powerful in, in our own rights so thank you so much you're obviously the director of thinking matters is there anything that thinking matters can that 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 parents can look at on your website that might be able to be helpful in this is there is there anywhere where that people can be directed to to gain a bit of sort of insight into what we've been talking about yeah i mean we we primarily in fact we, we work with with schools rather than so directly with uh, with parents but we do yeah we do offer tools metacognitive tools that that i think parents would also find very valuable in 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 the current current moment mostly relating to actually understanding the motivation of their of their children so we we use a tool called motivational maps which which i think give great insight into what it is that that is making your child tick and which a very useful tool for conversations with them around understanding what's important to them uh, and identifying what their passions are. And, and that's a great way of, of, of trying to shape the opportunities and what you're doing with, with them from an education And that's on your website, is it? It's on the Thinking so, Matters yep, website, so, yeah, is it? Yeah, that's, that's, it's, uh, it's under a sort of a thing called Motivation Matters, so, which it absolutely does. If, <laughs> if you're seeking to engage learners, then understanding what it is that motivates them is, is obviously at the centre of, of, of that. So, so that might be a useful, a useful thing for, for people to, to look at. And hopefully some, some other, other, other useful images which, um, which can get them to understand what, you know, what, what we mean really by, by being an, interv- an independent metacognitive learner. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed chatting to you about this. And I think we, we all need a bit of positivity in this, in this challenging time. Absolutely. Well, thanks very much for, for, for talking to me. It's a pleasure. Well, thank you all for downloading an episode of The Parenthood. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review wherever you found this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Alistair and me, thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>